Hey, you miserable bitches. It's Misery Manor, again, back with another episode. I'm Cody. I'm Emily. And leave your manners at the door. Hola! <laughs> Bilingual. All right, we're back with another episode. Um, this time, we, you know, we were reviewing the past episodes that we did, and they are very dark. There was cannibalism, there was murder, there was torture, there was rape. Mm-hmm. Um, there was rape? Yes. Yes, was. a lot of it. So today, we are going to take it back to some spooky, ooky, crazy paranormal 1800s 1800s witchcraft ghost sort of deals got it um but i do want to say one thing um in the last episode that i did because we did two last weekend um the one that i did with the railroad killer there was some crunching sounds in the beginning oh and that was not us turning the books which a lot of people were like oh you know cody Think y'all were turning the pages a little bit too hard. But what pages were they? <laughs> what well, like book? a book, you know, like you're just oh. like turning pages of a book. Like maybe we were like reading out of a spiral or something. No, that was just Emily eating some Skittles. Um, yep, just eating some Skittles during the presentation. So, well, you know, I, I was really thought I was being quiet, and then she, towards towards my third pool, Adam, I was like this. This might be a little loud. Yeah, I was a little close to the uh, microphone, so I was like, I didn't even catch on to it. But um, yeah, so if y'all wanted to know, that was hunger, not page flipping. But um, I do want to mention one thing. Um, We do have another Patreon, Kristen Westcote, um, which I know her as Kristen Crawford. Um, She, we went to high school together. We are still friends to this day. We actually, she actually had a huge crush on me not that i didn't have one on her i mean i just didn't really know her but i just remember we would do like uil like prose and poetry competitions together and she would just like stare at me and just like i was like oh my god who was this girl and she was like new to our school at this time so sweet but yes we still laugh about it to this day she has a lovely husband so Thank Thanks, you so much. Kristen. Yeah, thank you, Kristen. And uh, just like Kristen, if you want to be a patron, go to our um, Instagram at Misery Manor Podcast. Yes. And the link is in the bio. We have. Um, or patreon.com forward slash Misery Manor Pod. Pod. Yep. Um, the number is going up and up and up. And we are so thankful for all of you. And like always, just remember to rate, subscribe. Follow, review, review, email us at miserymanorpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we have a lot of y'all sending, not a lot, but we have people sending us stories of like shit that they've encountered. So we are so excited to read those, but we just want to make sure we have a good group that we can like make a full episode out of reading y'all's, you know, moment, misery moments. There you go. There you go. So. 
Send those Marketing in, please. Queen. And it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be murdery. Yes, it does. It could, I mean, it could be anything that you find fucking weird. Like you found a spider and a banana at a grocery store. And it no. bit you and your leg fell off. No. Because then I won't buy, be buying bananas anymore. So do not send that. I say you send whatever you want. I'll read those. Emily okay. will be the, read the scary ones. So, like I said, we're going to get into some um, spooky stories today. I am going to be telling the story about the Bell Witch Haunting, which I know Emily knows somewhat about, but I'm going to get into some freaking good details about this one. So, you ready? Yeah, because you read a book for this. I did. An audiobook. Does that count? Yeah, because you can vacuum while you're doing it. Well, listen, but I didn't read it. Look, if I listen to an audiobook, I'm not going to tell someone I listened to that book. I read it. Okay, well. Yep, so I read I read this book. So, And I'm going to mention the book later. So, all right. So, we are going to be talking about America's greatest ghost story. And I didn't just give it that name. That is, like, what it's been called because it's, like, in the 1800s. There's a lot of, like, unsolved, like, a lot of mystery that's going around it. So, that's why it's been... Named America's Greatest Ghost Story. So, like I said, the Bell Witch. So, taking you back, John and Lucy Bell were a couple originally from North Carolina. And they moved to Tennessee in the early 1800s. And at this point, they already had six children. So, it was Jesse, John Jr., Drury. Drury-Ann. Who? The Drury-Ann. Oh, Yeah. I don't know if it's spelled the same way, though. This the one in Frisco is my favorite. And then they have Benjamin, Esther, and Zadok. That's dumb. Loved it. So, and then this family was actually very wealthy, and they decided to buy some land by the Red River in Tennessee around 1804. So, over the next couple of years, they went on to have three more kids. They had Elizabeth, which they called Betsy, Richard, and they called him Williams, and then Joe. Those so, are two different names. I know. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, some sources did say that Williams was his middle name. So that could be why. Oh, that makes sense. But I don't know. Yeah. But not all of them said that. So some of them actually referred to Richard, but the majority of them uh, referred to it as Williams. What did the Bell Witch call him? We'll get into that. So, although the Red River is considered cursed and on sacred land, uh, which Native Americans eventually abandoned, the family didn't experience anything supernatural until 1817. So they had lived there for about 13 years without any, you know, activity, which they didn't buy the land knowing that they were going to, you know, come across what they were. Are you sure the Indians abandoned it or they weren't run off? No, it was abandoned. It was a burial ground. And we're going to get into that kind of later. I think it was a sacred land. They could have been ran off, but it was abandoned. So basically nobody was there anymore. So who knows? But um, like I said, the family didn't experience anything supernatural until 1817. Um, and the haunting they experienced it lasted more than four years. And it's now considered, like I said, America's greatest ghost story. So everything started off with the sightings of weird, strange animals. The family would see ridiculously large black dogs that obviously weren't real dogs. So they were like, okay, this isn't a real, like, you know, your average black Labrador retriever. This is like some huge fucking black dog, like That's out of the normal. Adorable. <laughs> um, and then allegedly John Bell 
saw one that had the body of a dog and the head of a huge rabbit. <gasps> little Nicky. Yeah, just like little Nicky, but a huge fucking rabbit. One of the sons saw what he thought was a turkey, but then was like, whoa, nope, this is way too big to be a turkey. And side note, um, when I was doing this research, <laughs> I was like, I'm really good at turkey sounds. So do it. Can we do a turkey noise real quick? Okay. Get ready, little Nikki. Here it is. That was better than what you did earlier when yeah. you showed me. Yeah. It See? really was. And now comes the turkeys. So <laughs> I hope my neighbors heard that. I know. They're like, what the fuck is going on up there? Whatever. Um, so later they were never able to figure out what the heck the um, large turkey fowl. creature fowl that he saw was, but he thought it was a huge turkey that was uh, That's actually scarier monstrous. than the dog. I know. Like Cuz they have like big talons. Feathered bird, and... yeah. Uh -uh. But they also can like fly. A bunny head though with a black body that's <laughs> Well, some bunnies are black. But a with the dog body? Yeah, that is creepy. Yeah. So then it elevated from that and they would wake up in the middle of the night to tapping noises on the outside of the house. So it's like but they were kind of like, no, this is probably somebody chalking, you know, chalking us up, like trying to like prank us. Because this family did know a lot of people in the community. You know, okay. they were very involved in the church. They're like, no, someone's I mean, just I mean, it could be to... like twigs against your windows. Do they have right. windows in the 1800s? Yeah, like... for sure. So, yeah. I mean, it could be a number of things. But they were like, at first they were like, you know, this is somebody pranking us. Um, but also at the same time, like, this is a huge plot of land. I don't know who's going to run out there just to tap on their window and then turn around and, yeah, no. you know, so I don't really think that was viable. What about to like make a venture to get out right. there? And then by the time you're done, you're like, well, shit, that was not worth it. Cause what did we get out of it? I mean, right? and they would have to probably. And it happened multiple nights over and over again. So like, did you just set your schedule hey at seven o'clock we're gonna go out there and tap 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 and then we'll be home <laughs> by 2 2 a.m no i don't think that happened so <laughs> the tapping elevated and the noise started then coming from inside the house so one of the main sounds that they heard from inside the house was the sounds of like chewing and gnawing on like the wood and like the furniture and the beds um so they were like sleeping at night and they would wake up to something like chew like that no. Is like your bed? Like? I know. Like I could wake up to that because little Nikki was literally chewing on my coffee table a minute ago. But. Yeah. Yeah. And they thought at first it was like some little like varmint or like some animal that got into the house and it's like chewing away at their beds. But during the day they would wake up and check things out and they wouldn't see anything or any indications that there had ever been an animal inside um, or like gnawing on the bed. So like the wood was still normal. So they're like, okay, well, this is kind of weird. So then it escalated even more, and one of their daughters, Betsy, started taking the brunt of all of the abuse. Betsy. So now it's going from, you know, just noises and, like, physical things to human form, or to abusing the humans in the house. So she would um, start getting beat in the middle of the night. She no. would have, she would wake up and her cheeks would be swollen. Uh, they would be red, and they would have handprints all over her body. And when her parents would, like, wake up and, like, run down the hallway, she would look at, look at them crying and be like, I've been slapped, I've been hit. And she didn't know who. It would just wake her up in the middle of the night. And wow. she's 
and she's very young at this time. So, um, these noises and these beatings escalated even further and they would wake up to loud shattering noises and loud like chains dragging across the floor. Their covers were being ripped right off of them in the middle of the night. Their pillows yanked from underneath their head, um, thrown on the floor. Um, and th they reported that it sounded and felt like there was like an earthquake going on. Mm -hmm. Like they, like everything was shaking in the house. Like some crazy shit's going on at this time. And like some of the book or some of the reports that I read said that they would even like sit down at their dinner table to eat. Uh-huh. And she would pull the food out of their mouth. Like not, no. Not even let them eat. And like while they're like hanging out like watching TV and stuff, she was Really? They were watching TV in the 1800s? Or uh, hang it. <laughs> Did they not have TV back then? Okay. While they're like hanging around just doing whatever people do in the 1800s. Stuff in their straw pillows. She was poking them with like pens. And, Ew. and they would feel it, like, all over their bodies. That's... Yeah, so she was out to get... Like, they would all just have this sharp pain, yeah, like, at the same like, oh time? Yeah, and they'd be like, Or, like, they'd be like, oh, my God, look at this. And they would have, like, little, you know, marks on them. Or, like, they'd be eating, and they could physically see some being start taking stuff out of their okay, mouth. Okay, so, sorry. I'm going to pause you right there. That's what's weird to me, is anything physical leaves a mark. But the gnawing... All of that, mm. there's no evidence of it. Right. But like the physical stuff, right. there's Mark's handprints on But it's hearsay between the family. No one else is experiencing this, so Right. That's just so it's yeah, it's weird. It is. It's different. So um but at the same time, like going back to what I just said, it's just the family saying this. So yeah. this is the eighteen hundreds. So no one really speaks on things that are odd, that are different, that make your family kind of seem like an outcast. Yeah. Um and this continued to go on for a year years and years. Uh the family, John and Lucy, would sit the children down and say, like, hey, don't tell nobody about this. Like this is, you know, a little bit embarrassing. Keep it between us. Um and then John and Lucy of course wouldn't speak on it either. Um, there was a guy who was a, who was a bell witch historian. His name's Pat Fitzhugh. Um, he said, think about this. Um, you are an elder of the Red River Baptist Church, only 125 years after the Salem witch trials, and you're in the buckle of the Bible Belt. So yeah. that's the precedence of why they're in Tennessee. In there in Tennessee, yeah. So that's why they didn't really um, speak on what was going on, right? So uh, eventually enough was enough. And they were like, you know what? We are tired of this. This is ruining, you know, our family. Like, shit's going on. We need some help. So they called in their neighbor, James Johnston, um, who came in. And they called him originally because they trusted him. And he was a member of the church. So okay. they were like, hey, like, you come in. We're going to tell you only. You know, but like and... Bell was too. What did they say? He was like an elder. Who? They said that John Bell was an elder of the church. Yeah. So yeah, and he was like one of the higher ones. Okay. So he went up to James Johnston, who was also one. It was like, hey, you're our okay. neighbor. You're an elder. Let's, you know, talk. Um. So on one occasion, James and his wife spent the night to see if the noises and the strange activity, um, would happen while they were there if it would calm down and the spirit was more active that night than ever so james told john that he wanted to help solve this he was like this is some shit um behind let's get it going so he was going to go help this group investigate and hopefully get rid of the family's haunting um 
So unfortunately, and I try to find like what spread this throughout the community, but eventually it's probably a small town churches, you know, people talk. Yeah. Um, it was spreading around town. People were then hearing about it. People were showing up randomly saying, oh, you know, I heard what's going on here. I want to see it for myself. These people would just come and gather around the bell uh, property to see mm, if they could mm. hear anything. So eventually they were allowing some of the people that they knew into their kitchen um, to see if they could communicate with whoever or whatever it was that was re- responsible for these noises. But they lived on a massive, massive. plot of land, And I'm going right? to tell you how many acres it is later. I mean, I can do it now, but I think it's like 327 acres. So, so I wonder if people are like sneaking on. You so know? a lot, right. Yeah. So a lot of fucking land. And people were that into it that they were willing to make, you know, whatever wall. I mean, they have nothing else to do. Right. <laughs> so, um... So the people would just come over unannounced and they would hang out in the kitchen and they wanted to see what the hell was going on. So um, they would start asking questions to the bell witch. Mm -hmm. And at first she would answer with scratches on the wall. So there were several instances where they would be like, you know, are you happy? Scratch, you know, one yes, two (laughs) no. And she would, you know, give them signals with scratches. Oh, I hate that. Right. So... It would be a scratch but then over time i guess when she got more comfortable it started being more involved with like moans and groans so like Ooh. yeah like uh, oh i love that <laughs> <laughs> i love or that. like so like when she's like i know how would she answer yes well it's like, like okay bell witch are you having a good day uh, but what if she's <laughs> having a bad day <laughs> Something like that. I mean, I have no fucking clue. Bell Witch, am I pretty? (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. So then it it went from the moans and the groans to a low whistle. Oh. And they said, like, the lower the whistle was, the more negative it was. And the higher it was, the more um, enlightened she felt. Like, she felt oh, more like... so she was positive sometimes. Yeah, and you'll see more. Like, she does have a good side to her as well. Mm. We'll get into that, too. So then, it slowly, of course, became to a whisper, and then it came to an actual voice. Yes. That was the whisper. Right. And then a feminine voice. <laughs> that was not That's even scary. a voice. That would make them bitches run. So the groans my favorite. So the first night that the spirit spoke, there was actually twenty four people. So you would think twenty four people they were like kinda new. People were coming every single night and just in hopes that she would speak. Right? I So before the twenty four no. people, they were just hearing the whispers. I don't and think now, I've been around twenty four people since COVID started. <laughs> right. So the twenty four people were in the kitchen and they came and they she just so happened to speak. And she made a perfectly clear sentence. Oh my God, what did she say? She said, Booch! Yeah, she said, fuck off. No, she goes, I am the spirit of someone who was once very happy, but who has been disturbed and made very unhappy. I am the spirit of a person who is buried in the woods nearby in a grave that has been deeply disturbed. My bones have been scattered and I've come to kill John Bell. I have a question. Yeah. Was their house already built before they moved there? No, they built it. Okay. It's just on the land. Okay. So, like, remember when I said, like, the plowing and all that? Oh, I haven't got to that part yet. No. I'm sorry. 
Okay, I think we're about to get into that. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, when sorry, they like sorry, start sorry. plowing things. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you're on the right track. So, um, there had been kind of like not like a joke, but there had been like some talk that there's been like a disturbance of some human remains on the land when they first bought it. The, that, so they were aware of it. Well, they knew that it was uh, sacred ground when they first bought it. Remember in the beginning, they knew it was. Haven't like, they seen poltergeist? Not at this point. <laughs> you said not it. at this point. So, um. So they knew there had been some disturbance of some human remains, but it was uh, John Bell. It was not John Bell that had ripped through the graves. It was actually one of his sons, which a lot of people are like, oh my God, the Bell Witch is after John Bell. She was not, he was not the one that ripped through the graves. It, it was, was his Drury. Son. Yeah. So um, there was a lot of people involved in working on the land that the Bells owned right. when they first owned it. So they had 328 acres of land. Um, and one day when they were out working on the fields, they realized that they were on a burial ground. They knew that there had been a burial ground on the land, but again, 328 acres, you don't know where it is. I mean, their house yeah. is, you know. So they knew when they came yeah. upon it, obviously. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, so, um, and yeah, sorry. And they knew going into it that there was a Native American burial ground and history would prove later that this is one of the largest Native American burial grounds in history. Um, oh my god. So when they came across this, um, there were bones that were actually like brought up and like moved around. Um, and Drury heard It was Drury? Yeah, Drury, <gasps> one of the sons, heard of the workers talking like, Oh my gosh, in the field we came across these bones, we just buried them back where they were, not to disturb them. Right. Well, Drury and his friends thought it'd be cool to go out there when they were bored and start digging up the bones because he heard them. Teenagers. And he um, picked up like a jawbone, a leg bone, and he brought it back to his dad like, hey, look, look what I found. And his dad was pissed. He was like, you know, basically it was like, how dare you? You have no respect for the dead. Go put that back where you freaking found it. Um, right. And so John Bell like demanded that his son go put it back, bury it call it a day so like i, I said wonder if he did it in front of the 24 guests no they had already left because this is going back to when they were building the house oh right right, right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry that would have been a fucking show so like i said people started hearing about this all over all over town all over states everywhere um at first it was just people from the town then it went to close neighbors then it went to church family church friends but news quickly spread into the other states and across all over the U.S. And people from all over the U.S. started showing up at the Bell Farm demanding to hear the voice. I'm like, listen, you show what? up demanding to hear a voice? That'd be $5. Not only, <laughs> not only that, but like, I don't even know how to get places downtown sometimes. Right. How? How? Right. No, they and they were they came up here just like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you're talking about, like, coming from states away and they don't have yeah. to Yes. Yeah. No, they're like, okay, we're going to go over. We're from Texas. We're going over to Tennessee. Uh, do we have Southwest? Or, like, what would you I, <laughs> I... Yeah. So, they wanted to go see some creepy shit happen. So, one man reached out to the family and he said he was going to be able to get rid of the being by taking over their house. And he said he was a witch hunter and he could kill the witch with silver bullets. Van Helsing. Which I thought silver bullets, they also kill vampires. Werewolves. Oh, werewolves, that's what it is. Well, vampires too, vampires maybe. Vampires too, maybe, yeah. No, uh, something's a stake in the heart. I think that's werewolves. That's werewolves, yeah. yeah. 
He okay, so he told him he had done it many times in the past, and he was ready to do it again. So we had all He's the confidence. Um, he showed up, and uh, the disturbances in the house stopped, and they were like, "Wow!" Upon his arrival, yeah, right when he came, they stopped. All like the voices, like all the creepy shit, went away. So they were like, "Listen, um, can we just pay you to live here?" Um, We'll just pay you. You can live here. If that means that the witch doesn't come or the voice, whatever it may be, you know, we're willing to do whatever you need. He said, yeah, sure. Um, I'll just go back home and gather my belongings and I'll be, you know, right back. So, um, so he heads outside. It gets on his horse and the horse refused and was was unable to move. Um, And he tried to make it move many, many times. It would not move. Whatsoever, whatsoever would not move. So then suddenly, and there's some sources. Does the horse get hurt? Well, no, there's some sources that say what he tried to do to get the horse moved, but I don't want to talk about that because I love animals. But basically, he was not able to get the horse to move. Did he whisper in its ear? No, that would have been great. So suddenly, the voice, the bell witch, came over and she goes, Talking to voice. Well, I have a sassy witch voice. She says, I can make that horse go. Let me get on right behind you. So at that instance, the horse started freaking the fuck out, kicking, bucking, turning around in circles. The horse was so spooked. The man was eventually able to like calm it down and like get on it, but it was still freaking out. And it ran right off the property um, with the witch hunter on its back, screaming for dear life. Um, and he did not come back like he had promised. So the family was like, well, He was not shit. a witch hunter. <laughs> right. So, um, and it was, there's a lot of reports that say that they could actually hear the voice um, laughing on the property for like days to come. Like she, would, <laughs> she would just start laughing like, yeah! <laughs> oh, that's Damn, not... that is loud. I know, baby. Big boy's going to get an email that written. That was scary. So... <laughs> <laughs> so she laughed like that and she said that she had stuck the witch hunter with brass pins and that he would be spitting them out of his throat for months to come. Ew! So a couple. Out of his throat? Yeah, because she was like stick. So he was like coughing them up basically. Oh. Um, so then another experience that they had was a couple of students came to stay and they did not see or hear anything at first. They referred to the people that sent them there as suckers, you know, basically like, oh my God. Whoever believed this is a fucking sucker. So the witch then spoke after she heard them and said, oh yeah, I know you're uh, all about your professor that sent you here. Yeah, and if he wasn't dead right now, he'd be right here with you. And she started like naming out random facts about their lives, uh, the professor. And they're like, okay, whoa, shit. They uh, didn't know that the professor was dead? They knew he was dead, but like the pre- professor was like the one that was like, you should go, you should go, you should go. And then like eventually went. And she was like, listen... Like, basically, they never said, like, oh, yeah, our professor, you know, sent us here. She knew that from the beginning and started saying, like, yeah, he taught you here. He did this. He did that. So, like, how would she know all this information? (laughs) Um, There was also another man that came to the Bell Farm who communicated with his family. This is a little bit confusing. So, he came to the Bell Farm and communicated with his family from back home. So, he traveled from a state away back so he came to the bell farm by but lived in a different state yes okay but he was able to communicate with his family from back home through the witch 
and she was talking to them using his voice. So when he would get messages back from his family, it was in he, their voices. He would hear it in his mom's voice. Ew, no. So that's when they were like, oh my gosh, she's not like revolve, like she's evolving pretty much. That was the first time that she started mimicking voices. Well, see, like I told you, I didn't even know that they heard her outside of the house, much yeah. less all over. Yeah, that. And you're gonna see that she can travel all over. Like I know there's something with the church, but I just assumed yeah. like mm-hmm. it was on their land. I mean, their land seems big enough for like Huge. a small town right. or something. Like I don't know, maybe right. I'm wrong. I don't know. So, like I said, the Bell Witch started getting really, really good at mimicking voices for the people in the home or that were on the property. So she's a voice actor. Yes. So James Johnston, the neighbor again, who I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, he led the neighborhood or he led the church services at the Bell Home. So they would have services sometimes at the Bell Home on their property. Oh, so it wasn't in their home. But no, but he also has a church service that I'm going to get into outside because he went. He like kind of traveled all was over. Was he like a preacher? Yeah, he was like a reverend. Son of a preacher, man. Son of a preacher, man. So, um, so he, so the Bell Witch would mimic his voice during his sermons. When he would go off to go into another city to do his sermon, she would repeat his sermons before he could finish the sentence. So she would just continue on his sermons, like, and he'd be like, "Wait, how did you?" And know the whole that? congregation could hear heard it. it. Oh, and they were no, freaked no, no. out, and they thought that there was like witchcraft going on in the church. They were like, "Oh no!" Like he's, you know, you know, a like a. Well, wit- yeah, because if he's like, if she's finishing it, wouldn't it look like that voice was coming out of him? Right. Well, no, no, no. It, like, came from, like, they were, like, saying, like, they could hear, like, it was coming from, like, the back. Like, it would come from, like, a um, certain, like, spot into the room. But it was very clear that it wasn't coming from him. Oh. So he would stop, right? And then the voice would continue. And he'd be like, wait, what's going on? And people would hear it. So then he stopped giving his sermon that day. And another preacher that was in the audience that was listening was like, okay, well, I'll just step up and give my sermon. Then she started um, repeating his. And he was like, wait, how did you do repeating that? Repeating or finishing? Or finishing his and like finishing his sermon, like singing the hymns that he was singing. Ew. And he was like, wait, how did you do that? Because in his mind, he's like, you were at his sermon. And she said, I was at both. So now she's like fucking shape shifted. She's at two places at one. And like the what whole. What if con- it's all just time travel? Right. The whole congregation is literally distraught. Well, I mean. <laughs> right. I mean. I mean, like, because in the 1800s, you don't have this, like, the, now if it were to happen, right. there's some. Like, I was watching these, and I hate YouTube, but I was watching <laughs> these haunting things today, and I'm like, they could have done this, that, or the other, you yeah. know? Yeah. But back then. No, I mean, this is so uh, new to them. Uh-uh. Like, and they didn't have, you know, YouTube. They didn't have TV. Like, they don't know, you know, this is so out of the ordinary for them. So, um, but like I said, the church congregation was like distraught and the Bell Witch thought it was hilarious. So she started coming oh. every single Sunday. She is salty. And they started singing hymns and she would interrupt them and start singing old, old, old hymns that no one knew she would just start singing them out of nowhere. Just start singing them. Um, would laugh, would joke. Basically would distru- disturb the entire sermon. Which so, is weird because I'm like, she's not really like godly. Right. And she's I somehow think she's, allowed in a church. I think she's like making like a mockery out of it. 
you know? Yeah, that's rude. So one of the most infamous visits, oh, I love this part. So one of the most infamous visits to the farm actually came from President Andrew Jackson. <gasps> He's on the $10 bill. Yes. Or the 20 The 4 <laughs> I'm kidding. I have Bitch, no clue. You know not a $4 bill. I don't fucking know what he was on. I just spend it. So I just know he was racist, probably. Probably in that time. He doesn't mean that anymore. So, the, the family knew him because John Jr., so John Bell's son. John Jacob Jingleheimer His name was my name, too. Boom, boom, boom. Which works for that. So, anyways. <laughs> John Jr. served alongside Andrew Jackson in the Battle of New Orleans. And so, oh. I'm going to reference the book. So, the book that I was listening to, and you can listen to it on... Um, Audible? Uh, I'm sure on, I was listening to like an audio book through Amazon Prime. Oh, well, that's, like, through Audible, or you can do Libro. And it's called The Bell Witch, The Truth Exposed. So the book had a quote that said, General Jackson's party came from Nashville with a wagon loaded with a tent and provisions. Was it a Constanaga wagon? I think so. Bent on a good time and much fun investigating the witch. So they they Mm -hmm. had a mission to come. Like, Andrew Jackson was hyped to come see this fucking witch. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he was, was so definitely drinking tequila rose. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> he was, like, fucked up. Jackson and his team were so excited um, to witness the Bell Witch. And there were so many reports at the time that said that Jackson, for a long period of time, would only talk about seeing the witch. He was like, I gotta see it. I gotta see it. I gotta see it. I gotta go. So, finally, Dang. they went. So, but he brought a witch hunter with him so another witch hunter not that bitch one before <laughs> and he off. even told them again he had a loaded gun with <gasps> silver bullets we don't like guns so right so on the way to the farm the group wag the group's wagon abruptly stopped and was stuck in mud and no matter what they Ford did the river right no matter what they did though they could not figure out what the fuck was going on there in this book they said that they even took off each wheel and was like spinning it to make sure it could still spin yeah. But when they would put it back on, the wheels were not spinning at all. So they were stuck in the mud. Stuck in the mud. So all the guys got behind it and pushed it. It was not budging at all. Like the horse. Yes, exactly. So then a voice came over and said, all right, general, let's move the wagon. I'll see you tonight. I don't know if she was that. I don't know if she was that chipper, but she said, I'll see you tonight. Which, to me, I'd be like, oh, fuck. And immediately, it says, like, General Jackson and his family, or, and his friends were like, oh, shit. I mean, I'd be a little excited. This is going to be some good, I mean, I don't think they were scared at this point. They were like, this is going to be some good stuff. So, they got the wagon going. They arrived at the farm. Because, again, sorry, it just blows my mind. Like, I don't even know if I believe in this stuff, but, like, she's not at, like, whenever you hear about haunting. Can you move your butt closer to this? Oh. Because when you you hear about, like, hauntings and things, it's someone, it's it's in one singular place or it's following this family. She's, like, anyone that talks about her and knows about her, she can communicate with them. But she's communicating with people that are involved with the family, one, and two, with the property. So I can see that makes sense to me. But yeah, she's able to go. But how did she know like he's coming? It's not like he was. Oh no, he knew that. Mm -hmm. And he was upset. Like. But they fought together, so they had that Mm connection. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So immediately when they arrived to the farm, like they searched the property high and low. Like Andrew Jackson is, uh, I don't keep wanting to say team, but his friends were like, 
they wanted something to definit- definitive to leave with. Like they, they wanted, wanted like a green-skinned woman yeah. with a big mole on her nose. <laughs> right. Like um, like me. Alphaba. So they actually didn't find anything at first. And they stayed up all night until the wee hours of the morning. And they were getting very freaking frustrated. Um, the witch hunter would not shut up, though. And they were sitting around the dinner table at like four in the morning. And all he was talking about was his experience, his tactics, what he can do, boasting about this, boasting about that. And then um, Andrew Jackson leaned over to one of the guys at the table and said, I bet he's actually a coward. I do wish the thing would come, but I do want to see him run. So at that very moment, the bell witch came over and said, all right, general, I'm back and I'm ready for business. What you got? She literally said that. That was the saying back then? That was the saying. I'm back and ready for business. What you got? I'm back, baby. So the witch hunter tried to shoot her at that very moment. Where? In the direction that the voice was coming from. And she came over again and said, do it again. I dare you. And he did it. And she came over again and said, okay, is it my turn? And from that very moment, she started beating the shit out of him. Um, it was known that he had a huge, like, nose and, like, people referred like to him. Like mine? No. People referred to him as, like, having a bird nose and she kept pulling it and he kept screaming, I think she's going to pull it off. <laughs> and, like, she was, like, throwing him all over, would, like, twist his ears and she sent him th- flying through the front door and... She gave him a wedgie. She gave him a wedgie and he would stop, not stop running. He, like, ran off the property and all... He, it says in the book that he would not stop screaming, Oh, Lordy, oh, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. That's all he would scream. <laughs> okay, both of the witch hunters are, like... That just Fraught. makes me... They are not. They're not the real deal. No. So, another encounter happened. And if you... If I'm giving you too many encounters, I can call... I'm just trying to give you, like... No, because I haven't yeah. even heard of how... Like I told you, I didn't know that she, you know, ventured out of yeah. the one farmhouse. So now she's going to start attacking the family itself. So, oh, no. Well, she already did. She so bitch gonna, slapped the daughter. Well, she's going to get him. So, like I said in the beginning, John Bell was super wealthy. Um, Which and, I'm like, move, sir. Right. And at that time, unfortunately, they showed off by um, owning slaves. So he had a slave <gasps> no. named Dean. And this was the family's first, one of the first slaves. So him and his mother, Chloe, had actually been gifted to John and Lucy on their wedding day by John, uh, Lucy's father. That's the name I forgot to put on my birth list. Chloe. Chloe. Yep. Uh, Dean was married to a woman named Kate, but she was kept as a slave on a neighboring neighborhood. And um, obviously it's horrible to have slaves, but... There's no reports that they treated them bad. Like, they were just there to work. They could live in the house. Like, they were Whatever. Fed. It's still Well, bad. no. That's what I'm saying. It's bad that they weren't, like, the ones that were, like, fucking beat and shit. Like, he was married to Kate on... And they could go see each other at night. So, so regardless... So, housekeepers? Regardless, it was still bad. They would do, like, work on neighboring lands. But at night, he can go home and see them. Or see Kate. So... Okay. Um, but Dean somehow was known to be a target of the witch. And they don't know why. But he would just show up to work bleeding all over and just, like, crying to John Bell and Lucy being like, oh, my God, I was beating. I don't know what happened. Like, he would just, like, wake up with blood or just, like, just got beat randomly, like, while he was, like, working. Um, And he said, eventually, I think it's the witch that you talk about. So Kate did not want her husband getting hurt. So she made Dean a witch ball. She made it with herbs, 
oils, her hair, and she wrapped it all together, kind of like a protection bag. Okay. Um, one night while he was walking to Kate's, because remember, she's in a neighboring, so they lived together, but she was in a neighboring property. So when he got done with his shift, he would just go over to her. Um, when he was walking to her, a figure of a big, large black dog, which if you remember from earlier, is what the witch usually took form of. Mm-hmm. When she came originally. Which is a whole other thing that we talked about, the black yes. dogs. And she demanded that Dean give her the witch ball to him. Dean was scared and he didn't want to piss her off. So he just stuck his hand out and opened his wrist to reveal Well, yeah, it. because it's a dog talking to right. you. Right. So, but he knew in his mind this might be the witch, but he was scared. So he opened up his hand and revealed the witch ball. And all of a sudden the thing burst into flames and shot up into the air. Okay, so his wife has to practice something. Yes. Well, so this is... this. I didn't read this anywhere, but reading this, if you think about um, the slaves, like, in early times with, like, uh, New Orleans and stuff, a lot of them practice voodoo. Or black hoodoo. magic. Hoodoo. Yeah, that's herbs and stuff. Voodoo as well as from New Orleans. So but I, I think thought voodoo was more... Black magic. Nef- yeah, and that hoodoo was, like... Herbs, oils, that kind of like, stuff. nice. <laughs> um, it could be. It, I don't think it's... But a lot of people would claim that voodoo's not evil either. It just depends on how you use it, which is what I thought. So I thought... I tried to look up, like, where they were from. Maybe they were from Ghana, Africa, is where it originally uh-huh. came from. But, um, yeah, that's exactly my mindset. She probably came from that area where that's okay. what they practice, And that was her saying, like, no, get rid of this witch. Right. Or she, she knew ancestors her... that had been through okay. before. Um, it was just the fact that you said she put her own hair in there. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I could put my hair in there, but what? Right. And exactly. Okay. That okay. makes sense. And you had the exact, exact same thoughts that I did. So, I'm basically a witch, so I know. <laughs> so it burst into flames. So after that, um, the bell witch kept taunting him over and over again, and she would not let him go. <laughs> yeah, she, so he pulled an axe out of his backpack and split the dog's head open <gasps> in half. No! Well, the bell witch dog. And I split know, the but... dog's head in half and ran home to Kate. So he told her what happened, and she made him another witch ball. After she consulted with a Native American that she knew and several slaves on the property, she said she wanted to know which uh, herbs would be most powerful and most protective. So she made him another one that was more powerful. So she gave it to Dean. Dean ran into the witch again, but this time she appeared as a black dog with two heads and she told him that since she split since he split the head in half yeah it made two she took the form of two heads is so it she like came, the dog on harry potter <laughs> that was three heads oh <laughs> i gotta have that in my head right now so um but she basically was like i'm more powerful bitch so fuck you so oh. she was livid and she told him that she was going to turn him into a mule but it didn't work, and he was stuck. He was, like, literally paralyzed and could not move. Was he a centaur? No. He okay. was just Dean frozen. And um, he was frozen. He could not move. But then he reported that he heard another being. So this is the first time that you hear two voices. Oh, no. Another voice came over and started laughing and told the Bell Witch, wouldn't that be funny if you actually did turn him into a mule and we could ride his ass down to hell and have breakfast with the devil. They said ass back then? An ass, like a jackass. Oh. You know, have you ever, like an ass, like a yes. mule? <laughs> so, and have breakfast with the devil. So, 
Dean somehow figured out how to get out of that situation and he ran back home to Kate. A lot of the reports said that his love for Kate was so strong that he was able to like bite it and he just ran all the way back. That's what I need. So then Dean became very popular around town and people just loved him and they were like, oh my God, tell me about your encounters. Like they were so infatuated that he right. actually experienced something like this. And survived. Right. Which makes me feel good that he's not treated as like a... That's know, why I think he's like a housekeeper. Like a... Right. What is it called? They refer to him as a slave, but I'm like, he had a house, like, he was married, so it could have just been, like, someone who, like, manages... The, like a the, butler. Or someone who manages the property. Kind of right. like a... Um... Like a property manager. <laughs> yes. I can't think of the word, but it's going to come to me. So... A landlord. Yeah, maybe. Um, or farmer. <laughs> so, uh, so, like I said earlier, the being... The spirit, the witch, the bell witch, whatever you want to call it, had a huge focus on Betsy. So she was one yes. of the bell, do- bell daughters, like I mentioned. Um, she was she, one of the younger ones, Yeah, right? she was the one that was slapped, beaten, hair pulled, picked by prince, uh, picked by, pricked by motherfucking pants <laughs> all over her body. And That's she sad. would actually start to wake up unconscious. And well, how do you wake up unconscious? Or sorry, she was, sorry, she would go unconscious. Sorry, this is on 11 font right now and I'm really struggling. I didn't tell you to put it on 11 font. You're okay. just trying to be like me. She would go unconscious and she would start having seizures, right? Oh, and it would start escalating more and more and more. And then she, it was reporting once it like kept going, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. Once she woke up, uh-huh. Lucy said it would just start all over again. So she would go unconscious, wake up, and the beatings would start right over. So there was like a constant boom, boom, she boom, She has boom, to boom. be like early teens. Cause I, you think said, I think Because you said they I moved. think she's 12. Okay, because you said they lived yes. there like 12, 13 yeah, years. They 12. had these three kids. Yes. She was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And these episodes would last about 40 minutes. So it would be 40 <gasps> minutes of going unconscious and, and then go back. Yeah. Oh, no. Over and over again. And, um, and then... John and Lucy were like distraught. They were like, oh my God, we'll send Betsy to our friend's house so she can spend the night so that the, you know, witch wouldn't get her and she would uh, follow her wherever she went. Of course. I wonder, and it might happen in this story, it's almost like they address the witch except the one time with the first witch hunter. Mm -hmm. It's like they address her and she's like, boom, right away. Like, hey, what if they like in two different places addressed her? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's the 1800s. Like I said, this... So what? Are they stupid? Because it's the 1800s? Yeah. But there yeah. were already two voices. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's like... But that could have been the two dogs. I mean, the dog with the two yeah. heads. We're like, going to get into just... how the voices could have been different later. Okay. That's like the very ending of it. So, like I said, Lucy would try to go to her friend's house to spend the night, but it would just keep following her. So, there was no escaping. So, years into the haunting, after Betsy got older, she eventually got engaged to our childhood friend, Josh Joshua Gardner. But they were doomed from the very beginning. So the Bell Witch would follow them all over. And the witch said, please, Betsy Bell, do not marry Joshua. That would surely bring you a life of misery and pain. <gasps> the voice would repeat that constantly every single day, multiple times a day. and would hit and abuse her in front of Joshua. And would even say the bad things about the relationship in front of people that Betsy did not want to know. But you have a Joshua. I know, but Joshua... She did not mean that about this Joshua. Okay. My Joshua's a good Joshua. There's a Joshua tree. There is. So John Bell eventually died, the dad, and Betsy called off the engagement to Josh because she thought that the witch was right. Because in the beginning, remember, she was like, I'm going to kill John John Bell. 
Trinidad. She's like, oh my God, she's right. She's telling me that I shouldn't marry him. She's correct. I shouldn't. So um, Betsy ended up leaving him and she found another guy named Richard Powell, who was actually her teacher at one point. And he was many, 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 dot, 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 many years older than her. Whatever. Maybe he had a lot of money. <laughs> right. No, he was a teacher. But at oh. that life, at that time, she was super miserable. And even though she, you know, she listened to Bell Witch, like, she was just, like, not the same person. She ended up having eight So, we're ah. going to get, we're going to get into her misery. Like, what misery manner. We're going to get into, <laughs> like, what the fuck, like, the Bell Witch, like, cursed her. So, she but had, she did what she said. I know. So she had eight children. Four died. Oh, God. Super young. So that leaves her with four. Then two died shortly after that from being in the war. And then the couple also wanted to make some money. So they invested all their money into a ship. Well, days after they invested all the money, it the sucked. ship sunk to the bottom of the ocean. So they lost all of their money and it was never recovered. Then, oh, then, goodness. then... Her um, husband, Richard Powell, died, and Betsy was a widow and was alone for the next 30 years by That's herself. That's going to be me anyway. By herself. So, kind of fucking creepy. So, from the beginning, the witch promised to kill John. So, and I'm going to go back for a little bit. just Yeah, because you time, gave her yeah. a story. Okay. So, the witch promised to kill John and referred to him as Old Jack. She told him that she wanted to kill him from the very from the very beginning but she wanted to do it very slowly she didn't want to make it easy for him so when she would leave the house or when he would leave the house he would suffer he couldn't go anywhere he always oh so in the book he claimed that he felt like there was a piece of stick lodged in his mouth horizontally cutting into his cheeks and tongue that would swell so big that he was not even able to leave his house what sometimes and only my mom knows about this but I get this like phantom piece of rice that feels like it's on my toe. And like, I- I'm sorry. <laughs> it is so weird. And I'm like, mom, the phantom rice is back. And she's like, oh my God, that's so weird. She's the only one that sympathizes with me. Feels is it like ja I Hopefully it's jasmine rice. I, that's the only rice I buy, but it feels like a hard piece of rice and it's like stuck in between my toes. That's really fucking weird. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so. The last walk that John took was with the Williams to the hog pen. Who's the... Oh, who... Hold on. They must be... Oh, that's the, those the neighbors. Okay. That's the neighbors. Okay. So, um, on the way, his shoes kept violently being ripped off. So, they're walking. They're just being ripped off. He's being tripped. <laughs> okay. And he's, like, becoming more frantic. Like, keep in mind, like, he already knows shit's going on to him. Like, he yeah. could leave the house. Um, and by the end of the ordeal, he was convulsing and oh. having seizures. Okay. And after that one episode, he actually never left the house again. Oh he God. was bedridden. So his son would have to bring him medications, food, call his doctors. Basically, he was not the same. He was like in Sarsparina. a He was like in a vegetable state. Oh, my God. Poor thing. Um, but he could still, like, communicate. He was just like, could, he had well, no When he strength. didn't have the wood in his mouth. Yeah. He couldn't get out of bed. Nothing. So one morning, John hadn't woke up yet. And he wasn't responding to anyone that was trying to wake him up. They were, like, shaking him. They could okay. tell he was breathing, but he just was not. Was he unconscious? Like, no. Betsy? Okay. I mean, he could have been. He was just not responsive. So, John Jr. knew that his uh, his dad's doctor said, you know, anytime he, you know, deals with anything, go to the medicine cabinet and pull this medication and give it to him. So, he went up to the cupboard, and when he opened it, 
there was no medication and all there was was a vial with a very dark like black liquid in it and so he like looked around like hey like what is this no one in the family claimed they put it in there they had never seen it they didn't know what the fuck it was so he smelled the vial to see what the liquid was and then the witch came over and she told them that she had fixed John and that she just wanted him to go to sleep for a little bit and that he was going to be okay. She had fixed him, is what she kept repeating. So when the doctor checked, um, he smelled the liquid. He smelled John's breath and was like, Ew. Oh. And he was like, um, the smell from the vial is in John's breath. And she came on and said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I gave it to him several times. So then they're like, well, what is this liquid? So they tested it on one of the family cats and rubbed just a little <gasps> bit on the no! tongue. And the cat convulsed and died immediately. Okay. I know. Poor kitty kitty pooty. So, I'm sorry. The um, rabbit is going crazy again. He's eating my old bread textbooks. So, John Jr. was pissed that this happened. And he slammed the vial on the floor. And it shattered to, a, you know, glass everywhere. All of a sudden, a huge purple cloud rose into the air, rising amongst all the glass. And John Sr. died the next morning on December 20th, 1821. So the liquid dissipated into a purple cloud. A purple cloud amongst the shattered glass. Is that why, like, witchy colors are purple, black, and green? Well, so some reports say it was purple. Some say it was blue. I mean, regardless, still creepy. Okay, well, they're still in the same family. So... He had a funeral, and this was, like, one of the biggest funerals of this time, like, because they knew so many people within the community. And the and witch was wealthy. And, yeah, yeah, and the witch was super quiet during the funeral. All of okay. a sudden, at the very end, she started singing, Roll me up some brandio, over and over and over again. Just roll me up some brandio, over and over and over tune? again. Probably, roll me up some brandio, roll me up some brandio. Brandio, brandio. Yes, some, probably not. Oh. <laughs> And we shouldn't laugh at that, but... Why? I mean, maybe, yeah. So, and she didn't stop until everyone left. Like, people were, like, leaving because they were like, this is, you know, disgrace, this is horrible, this is rude, and people were just leaving. So, finally, when the last person left, she stopped. (laughs) Um, Okay, she's like, my job was done. And she was basically just celebrating. So, the witch strangely connected to Lucy. Um, Lucy had been sick, so she, like, the witch loved Lucy. She was... One of the younger ones? No, Lucy was John Bell's wife. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Okay. So Lucy had been sick, like very, very, very sick before John died. And he was, and she was bedridden. And everyone oh thought... God, they both were bedridden? No, this is like before he died. So like I'm kind of going back a little okay. bit just to show okay. like... Because um, it'll make sense in a second. But okay. basically, she was bedridden. Everybody in the community was coming around her. The doctor was like, no, she's going to die. Say her last words. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically the witch would like come over and tell the people like that were looking up her, no, you need to get her this, give it to her now. Like she needs it. She needs it. And they were like listening to her. They're like, okay, she needs this. We'll give it to her. And she actually started getting better and better. One so the day, witch is a feminist. She loved, she loved Lucy. So I love she, Lucy. I love Lucy. So one day she was laying on the bed. Lucy was, and she was unable to eat. She was so like lethargic, just like no strength to eat and she was around surrounded by a couple of her visitors and family okay um and they were sitting around her just talking about some memories and they started noticing um stuff falling from the ceiling they realized that hazelnuts and grapes were falling from the ceiling and the bell witch came over and said lucy please eat these 
And they were all like, what the heck? Um, and they couldn't believe this was happening. They looked up at the sand. There was like no hole or anything. The grapes and the hazelnuts started pouring down. And, uh, and they were like, okay, eat this, eat this. And she ate this, ate them. Within a couple of days, she was up, good as new, healed, great as could be. So next time I'm sick, I need to have some wine and Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> yes, we'll go to Pocinas. Oh, so, yeah. so like I said, fast forward, uh, John Bell died and the activity stopped. I'm sorry. Um, but she, once he died, the next day she said, I will be back in seven years. So that was like kind of her mission. She would be back in seven years. So... Fast forward seven years, she came back and she told John Jr. some of the predictions that she that she gathered from the world. She said, okay. and she act, um, accurately predicted the Civil War, World War II, World War I, the Great Depression, and then went on to warn that Earth will end in a huge fire. And then like some of the other predictions, she said we would go on to find Atlantis, um, some like lost like Egyptian stuff. So like a lot of like, Smaller things. King Tut. I don't know about that. But she accurately um, accurately predicted, like, all the wars and all that shit. So, um, over the next couple of years, people have, you know, tried to solve the mystery of the Bell Witch. Like, there were so many years of haunting. The voice claimed to be different people. They were like, what the fact? Who could it fucking be? So, at one point, they said it was this lady named Kate Batts, who was a near nearby neighbor. And history would show later that she was actually a relative of the Bell family. Okay. Um, Kate was said to have had a pretty heated argument with John Bell over land. And she mentioned that she would curse him in an argument that a lot of people heard. Um, so they assumed that, oh, no, she's the one that did it. So, okay. um, and but she obviously had denied any of these um involvement in the haunting but people all over the town believed that the um spirit was kate and the spirit for the longest time would actually respond to the name kate so she well, was of course yeah she was hearing that people were saying it so they, they would call out to kate and she was like yeah you and know, then like, she'd probably be able to talk in her voice right and kate also seemed like an easy target because she didn't have very many friends she was a huge outcast in the community they said that she was very artsy weird quirky but she was a huge attention getter, so they said it would make sense. Sounds like me. Mine's yeah. the artsy part. So we're going to fast forward. So we're actually going to go to 1993. What? So two years after I was born. So Walter oh. and Chris Kirby bought the farm in 1993, and they were called to their friend Camille Moffat, who was actually the author of the book that I keep referring to. Okay. So they said, our dream was to own a tobacco farm. We stayed for years and years, but every time we put down a contract, something happened and the deal fell through. It was like something was blocking our every effort, end quote. So okay. they're trying to buy all these farmlands. It's not working out. So their luck changed when they tried to buy the Bell Farm, and it was a quick move within a couple of days. They felt like they were like chosen. They were supposed to live on the farm, and it was theirs. They bought it. They were good. Contract went through. Everything was good. So Walter was super excited that their luck had changed, but was also super nervous considering all the crazy stories that he had heard about the farm. Okay, I was going to ask. Yeah, and how haunted it was. But at the same time, they weren't huge, like, I mean, it's like the 1800s. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I would be... Oh, yeah, yeah. From Like, yeah, I would be the same way. I'd be like, "Uh, okay. Yeah, so... um, 
So he was actually really nervous to tell his wife about the deal going through. And his wife, Chris, said, oh, no worries. I already talked to my psychic. She told me that we were going to get this property and that there was a high supernatural energy there. So Chris was also told that a lot of the energy derived from some sort of the... Um... Oh, so the psychic had told her that there was... Um, some permanent structure on the property that was detached to the property. Like, um, so basically there was something on the property that was like, kind of like the, um, the hub of it pretty much. Okay. And they later find out that it's this cave that nobody in the 1800s had ever stumbled across. Yeah. Because they've got like over 300 acres. Right. Don't even think about it. Little Nikki. So they moved in and the haunting started the very first night. Didn't skip a fucking beat. So they woke up in the middle of the night from a crazy sound, and it was described as like a pitcher of glass being shattered on the ground. Okay. Um, so they woke up, they heard it, and they were like, uh, that could have been like stuff like moving around the moving boxes. And, right. And the original people heard that same shattering glass noise. Yes. Yeah. Well, you fast, you knew, you knew that, that I was about to get there. <laughs> so the um, prop, the, yeah, so the original property owners, like, before this family, was they were the Edens. And they actually had left a book of experiences that they went through while they were living there. Just kind of like a hand-me-down, like, hey, this is what we went through. If you want to look back on it, feel free to, you know, if you want to connect any of the weird experiences and encounters that you have, <laughs> look back on this. So Chris, the wife, picked up uh, picked up the book the next morning to see if she could find anything that kind of reflected the sound of, like, a water pitcher being shattered. And when she opened the book, she just kind of opened up to a random page, and it was titled Breaking Glass. Really? The first page she opened to? Like a random page that she opened to said Breaking Glass. So the same noise was described as a common sound throughout the whole book. Mm. And there was even like other um, landowners that had contributed to this book in the past, and they all had experienced the same sound. So it was consistently... The same. Kept, well, I mean, like, it wasn't vacant. It doesn't seem like it was kept vacant ever. Really. No, no. It was always occupied by somebody. Yeah. Exa- oh, yeah. Exactly. Because it okay. was, like, such, like, a, like, so many acres. Like, a, land was worth a lot of money at that time, you know? Like, yeah. It was, and I, it was on the river, right? Yeah, on the Red River in Tennessee. So, okay. Chris, the wife, later said, quote, the truth is, if we had believed wholeheartedly in this, we wouldn't have bought the place. But we didn't. So she didn't really... She went into this, like, kind of believing it, but not really. Like, she was not worried about it at all. That would have been me. Yeah. They knew something was there, but they... And then they had heard stories, but they... It wasn't enough to make them change their mind. Because it was, like, so long ago. Right. And this is 1993. So, Folklore. Right. So later, they would even start giving tours in this cave that they found on their property. <gasps> the cave? Yes, the cave. So the cave was very well known. It was okay. believed to be a cave that the witch actually retreated to when John Bell had died, when she went away for seven years. Um, and everyone that knew about this cave knew that it was extremely haunted. They had to put a gate near it because so, people were trying to break in at night because they were so intrigued by it. So they put a gate around it. I wonder how close it was to the house. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know that. Well, I mean, it's Hopefully so it wasn't acres. near. Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, So Chris actually had, you know, her psychic, remember? So she brought her psychic to the cave. And uh, so before they actually started doing tours of the community, she just wanted to let her psychic kind of get a feel for it. 
And um, so the psychic came in and started like taking pictures and immediately she could see a lot of orbs. She could see people on the photos that she had taken. People? People, like um, entities, like beings, like um, outlines. Said so, like a lot of them were like black and like white like figures. Um, she actually came face to face with one when she entered the cave. No. The psychic um, told them that the cave had some sort of portal because when she went into the cave and came back out, she said there's at least 300 spirits in this cave. And it's not just the Bell Witch that's haunting this property. It's hundreds and hundreds of, you know, beings that have so, gone on. So the hauntings the are burial standing. ground, maybe? Yeah, could be. And we're going to get into... Look, so the first room in the cave actually had a tomb. Okay. And this is where a Native American girl was laid to rest. Okay. She had died from a gunshot wound to the chest in the early 1800s. But someone stole her from the tomb. That's gross. Um, so... They reflected and said that, like, her spirit was just very, you know, wasn't laid to rest properly. like Disturbed or disturbed. whatever. Well, I mean, she was laid to rest. What, but not peacefully because she was yeah. brought out. So um, there was a lot of narrow hallways to the tomb that led to this, like, large room. Ew. Bob shot a renowned paranormal investigator. He had top-of-the-line equipment. He invested the cave with his team. While they were there, they experienced a lot of things. So... Kind of the obvious, you know, the drops in temperatures, presence in the room. They mm -hmm. took a photo when the temperature dropped, and there were all orbs all over the photo. But this shit fucking turned, bitch. One night, they set up this high-tech video camera with night vision, like with an infrared yeah. filter. Yeah. And it was like, apparently, this was like what it said. I don't know what this means. Five times stronger than the military. Okay, so like, I guess like the heat... Thing, yeah. like where they can like go zoom in on a building there's like okay. uh 10 bodies in there whatever. right okay so they captured on video a door that would slide open in the cave and two human forms would walk through it and then just disappear and then okay. like many people who are uh, paranormal investigators saw the footage and they're like i don't know what this could be the only thing that i can think of is this is a portal people entering the portal leaving the portal coming back to earth leaving earth you know okay um so this one woman named rosemary allen gully she's another famous paranormal investigator she agreed with bob that this was like the doorway to a portal between the physical world and the paranormal world and that this haunting had um all the hauntings from the bell farm had been coming from this cave Ooh. um the book also stated that this cave is the genesis of the bell witch so it makes sense that the voices would change and claim to be different people because it was there were so many people coming through this portal that that's why i was able to shapeshift have different voices do this do that be in several places at once because at the end of the day it was like one entire bell witch being like a huge entity almost you know okay um and like I said, that's why you see different behaviors, like the singing, the joking, helping of Lucy, some people killing John. In one instance, the okay, and here's a random thing. One instance, there was like a calf on the property that was like really sick, like no. vomiting, throwing up. And they heard in the barn where the calf was a loud bang. Dumb. And it like woke them up and like, what the fuck is going on? So they went out there and they were able to save the calf. They didn't know the calf was struggling, but the being like like thank them for being there and left so they were basically saying like hey come here and help this calf because i can't do it so like some of them were wow. actually helping 
so weird, right? Some of them are trying to kill bitches. Some of them are trying to continue sermons. Some are helping cats. Okay, well, that makes sense because you're thinking, like... Yeah, you have different yeah. people. Well, yeah, because, like, I guess I would think, like, if you're on a burial ground or whatever, it's disrupted, like, several decades down the line. It's not those people's fault. Like, right. they don't know. So right. why still, like, be so mean? I know. I know. So later, Chris was like looking around the property. Um, she found some leg bones, some arms, some parts of the skull. Okay. So the bones were later determined to be a two thousand year old, two thousand year old bones connected to someone in the Mississippi Mount Builders tribe. So it's like a Native American tribe. Um, the tribe was also known to bury their tribe sitting upright. So like nope. no coffin or anything, just like mm -hmm. in the ground. No, sir. Right. Um, Chris found out that above the grave, there was a Native American burial ground. And the graves were around 2,000 years old as well. So ceremonies were even performed inside the grave by shamans that would actually try to open the portals. So Why? another quote from the book said, The mountain builders had not buried their dead on top of the grave so that they would be near the portal. They opened the portal <laughs> in the cave so that it would be near the burial place of the dead. So it sounds no. it sounds like magic, but the consequences are very, very real, end quote. So they believe basically that the shamans from these tribes made these portals so that they could still connect with loved ones that have passed on. Hmm. So Chris had some more crazy encounters coming up. Um, she started giving tours for like money. Like Does she, her husband experience anything? Chris is the the main one that's like invested in this shit. Okay. And she started like giving tours for like money. Like people were so invested. She's like, let me make me a coin, mama. Uh -huh. So she started giving tours. And the craziest is when she would have like the non-believers that would show up. And she they were like talking shit from the get-go. Like she said when they would enter, like they would get slapped in the face. They would get poked, pushed, and physically assaulted, like bleeding and punched. Oh, um, Chris said no. that anything, anyone that takes anything from the cave, like a rock or like a twig or anything, would face death or injury. I've heard of things like that yep. before. Mm -hmm. She even recalled a lady who stole a small pebble, and Chris told her, like, hey, if you want it, go for it, but just be weary, this could happen for you. And the lady basically was like, no, that's nonsense. Like, that's not going to happen. The sure. next day, the lady came back during one of the tours and threw the pebble back in, and she was in a bad accident. She was cut up and bleeding. Wait, before or after she returned it? So she came returning the pebble beat the fuck <gasps> like cut like something had like okay. attacked her she's okay she was like in an accident so got it um so those are just like a few instances there's a novel about this guy named brett nonham and he pointed out some interesting facts about the bell family so this is kind of like getting into like where it could come from okay so um there was eight other children so like huge family and he was like why are they the main targets like you know, there's so many people. Why are they targeting, you know, just a couple of them in the family? Because, like, some of the kids that they had didn't target them at all, right? Yeah. So he suggested that John was actually molesting Betsy, the young the young girl who was slapped and abused. But in the book, The Bell Witch, The Truth Exposed, he quoted, Young girls are being victimized by incest, are pre-pre... How do you... Predisposed? Is that the predisposed, predisposed <laughs> to bol poltergeist activity. Ironically, the victim itself is the target for the haunting. End quote. Um, there are actually multiple reports that the Bell Witch um, stated that she had it out for John Bell. Wait, 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 wait. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna get into that. The, the victims, because they're like more vulnerable, maybe, mm-hmm. and they're Would trying be... to seek something other than reality. Yeah, basically, or... like if they were, <laughs> if they were involved, that was the worst sneeze. If they were involved in that, like it would basically make them kind of like a target. Okay. So, I mean, um, I've heard stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so, and it was there was a lot of reports that said the Bell Witch actually said why she wanted to kill John Bell, but the family actually never reported on it. Um, so there's mm-hmm. no, like, proof that he actually molested Betsy. Okay. Um, but she would just repeat over and over again that he was a bad man. Um, they would huh. call her a liar, and they would never repeat what she said. So the spirit also showed up when Betsy was 12, because that was when Esther, who she shared a room with, was older and she moved out because she got married. Uh-huh. Um, which is also weird. So now she's in a room alone, which no. could be also when the um, molestations could have happened. And note that, so again, Betsy was 12. Okay. John married his wife Lucy when she was 12. Ew! And, and John was 32. No, you did not say that in I the swear beginning. Swear to God. Well, I'm telling you that now. I was going to throw that in there, but this fits better here. So that's very interesting theory, Wait, right? Wait. What is 32 minus 12? 22? 20? That is 3, 2, 20. 20. <laughs> 20 years old, mama. So yeah, disgusting. So very interesting theory. So some other information suggests that John Bell was even kicked out of the church community because he was doing some shady dealings. The report said that he like lent a slave to like a neighbor and was like charging the neighbor like interest and taxes on the slave which is illegal um and some noted that he even killed a man um but there's like a lot of shady shit but a lot of wealth nothing happened to him so these are just like all like what it could have stemmed from what would happen nothing confirmed so just to fast forward, obviously, this is kind of like an unsolved case. It's kind of like a folklore. But to this day, you can still visit the cave on the property in the summer months of, in the summer months and then in October. And tours are given very regularly at the owner's discretion. Do and they still own it? The yeah. same Chris mm-hmm. Jenner and mm-hmm. whatever? Chris <laughs> Jenner. <laughs> yes, the family still owns it. And you can, like, actually go online and, like, schedule it but they don't do them like oh every saturday from this to this it's like whenever they'll like announce like oh we're doing them here you want to come is the cave under no it's not it's kind of like okay. a um yeah it's above ground it's kind of like a like a hill or something uh like kind of like a hole and like a are you gonna post a picture of it i i have one i don't it's not like the oh it's like a drawing I'll, I'll, yeah i can okay. try to find one but you also have to sign a waiver when you go into it Oh, no. I would never. Would you do that? I would never do that. Yeah, I'd be like, hell yeah, this is what I came for. No. So I'm just going to leave you with one quote. So this is one of the last Bell Witch quotes. Wait, wait. Is it her quote? Can you do it in a voice? It's from the Bell Witch. Okay, okay. So she said, and this is like one of her last ones that they recorded. Okay, wait. When when did she say it? Like in the 90s? No, I don't know when she said it. This is, there's actually no reports of her talking in the 1900s. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so this is just like her last... Yes. We don't know when it was I don't know recorded. when it was, yeah. So okay. this is the last quote she said was, though, and this is kind of creepy, she said, though the world might not recognize spirits, whether good or demons, both will be here, and they will have many of each. Yeah, I don't like that. So... I just don't know if I believe it or not. Like, I, I don't know. I know. It's a lot. I'm like one of those people, like, I need to see it to believe it, but also... 
I don't really want to see it either. <laughs> you know? I know. I'd rather but... see that video. I tried to find that video because apparently it is out of like the, um, in 1993, like when the paranormal find that door opening, like with the spirits coming out. I cannot find it. I don't know. Like I was watching some stuff today and I was just like, these people are just a bunch of Looney Tunes. And then I watched that Sinister movie and I was like, I know. I know. It's really hard. I'm like, I don't know. I love, like, I want to believe this because I think it's so fucking cool. But, like, damn, Gina. But I guess my thing is, like, okay, I really hope you do this case someday, but Madame LaLaurie? LaLaurie, yeah. Okay. So, I know more of, like, the actual happenings of what happened there than I do about the hauntings mm -hmm. part of it. To me, something like that is more believable because yeah. it has such a heavy, like, like, okay, for instance, I've been to Pearl Harbor mm -hmm. and it's just, that's the only way I can describe it is like very heavy Yeah. because you see, like, there's this one part where you're like, you, you know, take a boat and, or like a little, like a little boat. And then you're in this like memorial part where it has like all these names mm -hmm. and then it has, um, I guess it's. It's like this little thing floating out because it's over the ship, like yeah. one of the ships, and you can see it. Yeah. And like, you know, there's remains down there. Like, I wanted to say bodies, but they're not bodies well, yeah. anymore. They're just like remains. But it's like, I don't know. It was more peaceful. Like, it was a peaceful yeah. feeling. Oh, no. This would make me feel like I'd be terrified. So, yeah. I feel like if you went to the other side of it, like, because they were willing to be, well, I can't say it. They were willing to be there because soldiers back then were kind of forced. I don't know. My point <laughs> being is, like, that's the only place I've been where you, like, I don't know. It wasn't, like, a negative feeling. Mm, but I yeah. feel like if we went to, like, New Orleans and went inside that house, we would feel, like, because you know something Well, yeah, but you, so... can't even, you can't even go into that house anymore. You can't? No. Have you been? I. You can go outside of it, but you can't go in it. Why not? Because it's you like apartments. You haven't, no, you can't go in it at all. Well, Nicolas Cage bought it, I thought. But he doesn't have it anymore. Why? That's for another episode. That'd be a good one, though. I know. I want you to do that one because I don't want to look it up. Can you put your... I'm going to do it. All right. Well, well are you going to do a spooky one next week? Yes, I'm working on it. Okay. Even though it was really supposed to be my episode this week, I think. I think well, we were off. We were off. Okay. So, rate, review, subscribe. Five. Email us at miserymanorpodcast at gmail.com. And post this on your story so we can just get more followers. Please, mama. Please, mama. Please, 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 mama. And any <laughs> papas out there. <laughs> yes, any murder people that are interested in Emily. She has red hair, skinny waist, and a big behind. I don't have any of those things but red hair. And it's anyways. All right, guys. Well, leave your manners at the door. We're actually about to eat some food, and we're going to have no Are manners. We? I am, bitch. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat some wings. Bye. Ew, no. Bye, bitches.